Thank you, Pastor. You know, change is always hard. Um, I, think, I, I don't think that, that change is what's hard. It's, I don't think we're ever afraid of change. It's we're afraid of being changed. How's this going to affect me and my life? Um, so just spend some time. Just because you come to the 1030 doesn't mean that you need to come to the 11. Maybe you want to come to the 930. That's okay, too. 930 is just late enough that you can still sleep in. You can still get some sleep in and get in before. I mean, if you sleep till 10, more power to you. You can come to the 11. <clears throat> um, but be praying about what service you're going to come to, because we can't wait to see what God does. Uh, nothing changes, nothing changes, right? That's just a fact. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to preach. Um, I heard this, this pastor, his name is Pastor uh, Robert Morris. He's a pastor of a big church. And he said when he uh, was young and he was going off to school, his pastor told him, be careful of anybody that tells you about the Holy Spirit. You watch out for them. What's that about? What, 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 what? The whole, it's like the Holy Spirit's got some bad rep. You, you know, um, uh, we all had Thanksgiving just a couple days ago. We, every family has that weird uncle or that weird aunt that shows up and appalls everyone by their behavior. You know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you might be. <laughs> so. But I feel like, like some churches, like, like Pe- Pastor Morris's pastor, uh, they, they, they view the Holy Spirit as the weird uncle that shows up once a year and appalls everyone by their behavior. Holy Spirit is an important part of the Godhead, and it is right for us to talk about him. And that's what this message is about. I'm going I'm to go over seven things that the Holy Spirit uh, does in our lives. You know, my wife and I, we had our anniversary just a couple weeks ago, and we went up to Frankenmuth, Michigan. We were just walking up down the street. It's kind of like a Shipshawana type of a deal. And um, they had all these little shops. And we found this shop that was a woolen mill, and they, uh, make, they make wool. The sheep make the wool, but they take it from the sheep. And then they clean it, and you can like go in and through glass, you can watch, like they clean it, and then they take all this raw wool, and they put it through this 150-year-old machine that's like, and it puts out wool. It makes that sound too. It just puts out wool, and they make stuff with it. Like they make, the main thing they make is comforters. They can make really large comforters for your, uh, for, for your, for your home, for your bed. And we saw them make it. We saw that, and then we got to walk around their shop where they, they made it, and then they sold it. And they were so beautiful, and they were so soft. This, this wool comforter, apparently a wool comforter, is like the best kind of comforter you can get, I guess. And, and, and we saw that, and then we, we saw the comforters, and I saw the price tags, and then we left. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't get one of those comforters, because I know what would have happened with that comforter if we brought it home. We'd bring it home, and it wouldn't go on the bed. It would go into the closet. And it would be like for special times. If somebody was coming to look at a house, we'd be like pulling it out. You, you know what I'm talking about. Right now in my house, there are towels that if you come over to my house, you can use, but I'm not allowed to touch them. <clears throat> They're for show, not for use. And if we got that, that comforter that we saw up at the woolen mill, if we had gotten that comforter, it would have been folded up and shoved into a closet, it would have, my wife would have said, that's for show, not for use. 
Holy Spirit is our spiritual comforter, and he is not for show. He is for use. It is right for us to talk about Holy Spirit and how he can impact our lives. We are to use him to get through life. It's, it's how God set it up. So if you don't know, it's possible that you could grow up in church and Holy Spirit's like an afterthought. I don't want to talk bad about those churches, but, but, but it makes some people uncomfortable. And, you know, it, it, what happens is, is we like to explain everything and have everything put into a box. And so we, we explain God, but a lot of the Holy Spirit stuff, it's hard to explain. And so, you know, we just kind of skip over that sometimes. I want to pull that box out, okay? This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is what the Holy Spirit can do. I'm going to start on ground level. If you've never heard of Holy Spirit, here we go. God, we believe in the Trinity. The word Trinity is listed nowhere in Scripture, but it's the idea of the Trinity is repeated over and over and over again. At creation, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all three were there. Colossians 1 says that Jesus was present at creation. In Genesis 1, it says the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters. When God created man, there was no people. God said, let us make man in our image. Who's he talking to? There's no people. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So the Trinity existed at the beginning. And then before that, there was, there was the Trinity. At the resurrection, Jesus died on the cross, right? Well, let's start. Jesus' life. Jesus, right? The Son, he was baptized. At his baptism, he was baptized. And when he came out of the water, there was the Holy Spirit that appeared like a dove. That's number two, Holy Spirit. So Father, I'm sorry, Son, Holy Spirit. And a voice came from heaven. This is my son whom I'm well who I'm well pleased. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all three there at the baptism. At Jesus' resurrection, the Bible's clear that the Father, the Son, clearly, because he was resurrected, and the Holy Spirit were all present at resurrection. So from the beginning of time, before time even was, there was Holy Spirit, there was Son, there was Father, God. And all three are one. We don't believe in three gods. We believe in, in one God, but he's three heads. If that's mind-boggling, I heard, I, I talked with a guy one time, he like had a dissertation or some like something about the Holy Spirit. And, and he said, if, if you, or about the Trinity, and he said, uh, if you are really confused about the idea of how there possibly could be three in one, and your mind is like boggled by it, then you're starting to understand it. That's right, like three in one. That is our God. Which one's most God? All three are fully God. One's not more God than the other. So it is right for us to worship Father God. It's right for us to worship Jesus God. It's right for us to worship Holy Spirit God. All three are equally God. Today I'm going to pull out that box of Holy Spirit. I'm just going to talk about seven things that Holy Spirit does in our lives today. If you're taking notes, you can write this on the back of your bulletin. There's some notes there. Uh, or if your Bible is on your phone, you can get the YouVersion Bible app, tap on More, and tap on Events. And uh, New Hope will pop up. You just tap that, and all the scriptures and notes for today will be listed right in order for you, and we're ready to go. So here's the first thing the Holy Spirit does. What does the Holy Spirit do? Number one, he comforts us. He comforts us. He comforts us. Uh, I get this from John chapter something, 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. Everybody say expedient. 
You gotta love the King James. Uh, so good, it's good, it's better, it's quick for you, it's good for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Comforter, Holy Spirit, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So my paraphrase of that is, if I don't go, he won't come. Think about how this was at the beginning. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you followed him along, he did these miracles, you're, you're going along with his life, and you're like, yeah, Jesus, we're a team, high five Jesus. He was, I believe Jesus gave high fives, man, he was doing it. Whatever, he was a person, right, fully man, right? So he's, he's high fiving or whatever the equivalent was 2,000 years ago. And then he gets together and says, all right, guys, so, so here, here's what's going to go down. Some bad stuff is going to go down. It's going to be really, really hard. It's not bad. It's just really hard stuff is going to happen. I'm going to die, and I'm going to come back to life. And then I'm going to leave you. All to yourselves. And all of this that we worked on is going to be up to you. If they had sound effects back then, it would have been a womp, womp. What a, what a bummer. Jesus is just going to leave us now? But he says, it's good for me to, this is what this verse says, it's good that I leave. Because if I don't go, he won't come. Jesus was flesh. He came in flesh. Jesus is flesh. But he was flesh and he came in the flesh and, and he was there in Jerusalem, in Galilee, in Judea. He, he was there with these people. And he said, if I go, then the power for you to do everything else, the comfort for you to do everything else, will come. The comforter will come. And he's not just in Judea. The comforter is still in Judea. He's still in Jerusalem. And he's right here. And he's in Africa. And he's in Indonesia. The comforter is in all places. So this is good news. It was good that Jesus left because if he didn't go, he, and, and, he, and the work that he had done on the cross, if he, if he didn't do that, the Holy Spirit wouldn't come. So here's why this matters. Uh, and and, and what, this, what this means for us. When bad things happen, we can run to Jesus first. When hard things happen, we can run to Jesus first. It is not okay for us to go to someone with our problems if we're not willing to go to the one also. Go to the doctor and pray and go to Jesus. If you need counseling, go get counseling and go to Jesus. Go to Holy Spirit. Go to God, too. It's not right for us to go to someone if we're not willing to go to the one. A lot of times we, we take our problems and we, we just run to people with them. Hey, can you help me? We just got to talk about this. and blah, 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 blah. You got to take it to Jesus. You got to take it to Holy Spirit. He comforts us. It's his job. It's what he does. He comforts us. Don't go talk with others if you're not taking it to God. All right, here's the second thing that the Holy Spirit does. He's our friend. He's our friend. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to speak to us. Ephesians 4, uh, verse 30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit actually has feelings. Isn't it interesting that God has feelings? You can hurt God's feelings. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. He wants to have a relationship with us, a close relationship with us. And the only way that's possible is to get into his presence again and again, repeatedly, get into the presence of the Lord, and that relationship can be cultivated. Listen to the Lord speak to you.
Here's the third thing the Holy Spirit does. He's our counselor. He's our counselor. That's the, uh, the third blank there. He's our counselor. This comes from John 14, chapter 26. I said that wrong. Chapter what? What's my name? John 14, verse 26. There we go. But the advocate, anyone, before NCIS, there was JAG, Judge Advocate General. It was like a lawyer show. The advocate is like a, like a law term. He's, he's, he's our counselor, right? He's our counselor. He stands in for us. So, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, go ahead, the, the verse, John 14, 26. Yep. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So he's our counselor. He can help us. See that word advocate? The Greek word used in there is parakletos, which means alongside. It comes alongside of us. We serve an alongside God. He's not a far distant man with a white beard and a stick ready to smite us when we're stupid. He's a close God. And he wants to be an alongside God. He's our counselor. He wants to, to be alongside of us. And that verse says that the Holy Spirit teaches us and reminds us everything that Jesus said. Wow. Think about what that word reminds mean. For you to be reminded of something, it has to be in your mind to begin with. So if you, wanna, if, if you want the Holy Spirit to remind you remind you of everything that Jesus said, you have to have it in your mind to begin with. Any guesses how to do that? I'm laying on the hint pretty thick. Turn to the person next to you and say, read your Bible. It's got to be in your head. It's got to be in your mind if the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of it. God is able to come alongside of us. We serve an alongside God. And he wants to come alongside of you in your day-to-day life. Step by step, day by day, text by text, decision by decision, step there. Don't take that deal. Hire that guy. Encourage this person with a text. Holy Spirit wants to be alongside of you. It's not a Sunday thing. It's not a big decision thing. It's an every day alongside you, God. And he wants to be guiding you day in and day out with everything you do. And he can do it. And he will do it as long as you keep him there. He'll let you walk away from him. That's just how that works. Here's the fourth thing the Holy Spirit does. He intercedes for us. He intercedes for us. Holy Spirit prays for us. That's a weird idea, isn't it? I pray to him. I pray to God, but he prays for me? That's kind of weird. Pastor Adam, if you're going to say something so weird, you better have a scripture to back that up. Let's see it. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So Holy Spirit prays for me in accordance with the will of God. What a great blessing it is that we have prayer partners at the front ready to pray for anyone in the church. 
That's awesome. What a great blessing it is that you can go to mynewhope.in 24-7. It's just a website, and you can tap on a thing and submit a prayer request at 2 in the morning. You could say, I have marriage problems. I really need your prayer. Marriage problems don't always happen on Sunday at 9. They happen every other time. That's when problem happens, and you need to run to Jesus, right? So get that prayer request in. We got people the next morning, they'll get an alert that says, oh, prayer request, they'll just get sent to them. What a great blessing. We're able to pray for each other. But holy smokes, Holy Spirit prays for us. Way better than anything we can come up with. What's that look like? I think it looks a little bit like uh, football. Like, I don't know if this is cowhide or if it's a leather bound, maybe this is bonded leather, but let's pretend it's pigskin. We have a job to do. We've got, we've got the package. We have the love of Jesus. We have a mission. It's our job. We're, like, we're created for good works. Everyone is called to do the work of an evangelist. We have a mission to do. We are on mission, and we need to live life on mission for God. So we're Keenan Allen, and we're going to go down the field. we got to go, right? Holy Spirit's praying for us. He's our, he's our, he intercedes for us. What does that look like? I think if he's just, you know, anytime you see Keenan Allen run down the field, there's a teammate that comes up in front of him. And as we go on our mission in life that he's called for us in accordance with the will of the Father, Holy Spirit's over there saying, Oh, we're going to block the devil here. Illuminate this path. Illuminate it. He intercedes for us in accordance with the will of the Father. If that makes sense, say, mm-hmm. All right, here's the fifth thing the Holy Spirit does. The fifth thing the Holy Spirit does is he convicts us of sin. He convicts us of sin. John 16, 8 says, this is Jesus talking. He says, when he comes, time out, pause. Jesus never refers to Holy Spirit as an it. Doesn't say when it comes. Holy Spirit is not an it. It is not like Star Wars, the force. Holy Spirit is not a force. By the way, pretend like you have the force next time you go to Kroger and you come up to the doors that open automatically. Just try it. Just as you're walking forward, just go. And they open. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> just, just give it a shot. Don't laugh at me. You go do it and you'll see it's fun. The Holy Spirit is not a mysterious force. Holy Spirit is a person. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's three personalities to our one God. So anyhow, back to the scripture, John 16, 8, Jesus says, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts. But listen up, there's a big difference between conviction and condemnation. The devil is a really good twister. Everything that God does, the devil twists it. It does something else. The Antichrist is a twisted version of Christ. And conviction is something beautiful and holy. 
And the devil took it, twisted it, and made condemnation. Conviction is done by the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is done by the devil. The purpose of conviction is to make us pure, to make us right. It's like, it's like, if, like, like I want to be in line, and I want to I be under the word of God, and I want to be under God's blessing, and under his, I want to be submitted to him. But if I start being stupid, start sinning, and I fall out from, from underneath God's direction, I'm no longer under it. Conviction points out that, there, that I'm not under it anymore. So the purpose of conviction is to bring me back, to make me pure before God. That's great news. The purpose of condemnation, remember, it's done by the devil. The purpose of condemnation is to make you feel so terrible about yourself that you won't bother. Remember, you got a job to do. You have a ministry. You have a mission. You are called to take God's light, God's love to everyone around you. Oh, but do you know how bad you were? Do you remember what you did? Do you remember what a scoundrel you are? It would be in the devil's best interest to bring condemnation upon you. So you just go, fumble. I'm not even going to run. The purpose of conviction is to bring you under the word of God. The purpose of condemnation is to make you feel worthless and to stop trying. Conviction will lead to life. Condemnation will always lead to death. There's a big difference. Anytime you feel condemnation, remember, it's not God. That's not God. That's the devil. So just reject it. You don't have to listen to it. And, and here's, here's the, the, the crazy thing. When we ignore conviction long enough, we stop feeling it. God, Holy Spirit, will stop convicting. That is a dangerous place to be. When God stops convicting, when Holy Spirit stops convicting, it's because you're not listening. And he'll let you sin. He's not going to come and stop you. He'll remind you, hey, don't, don't, hey, don't, no, don't do that. But if you ignore him long enough, he's going to say, okay then. And he'll be right where you left him. But he will let you sin. I've talked with people before and they say, I don't even, like they're living in blatant sin. And they know that what they're doing, everyone would call, call sin. The Bible calls sin. They recognize that. But they look at me and they say, I don't feel like I'm doing anything wrong. First of all, our feelings do not dictate what is wrong. Or right. I don't feel like I'm doing anything wrong. If you're not feeling like you're doing anything wrong and the Bible says you're doing something wrong, you're wrong. And you need to run back to the Holy Spirit because conviction can come back into play. You want conviction. It's like if I, get, if I, if I grab a two-by-four and I get a bunch of splinters in my hand, I don't hate the pain. I'm happy there's pain because if I didn't have pain, I would just keep right on going. So when there's pain, I say, I stop and I go, yikes, and I put down the two-by-four that gave me splinters and I look at my hand because of the pain. If there wasn't pain, I wouldn't know. So I say, wow, there's something that hurts. That's conviction. It's helping me realize that I stepped out from underneath God's way. I stepped out from underneath. Wow! And conviction is wonderful. Because of conviction, if, it's, if there's not conviction, 
the splinter doesn't get removed. And I can remove that splinter and be pure before God again. Make sense? So when we feel conviction, it is very important for us to run to the Holy Spirit. Run to Jesus. He's the only one that can fix it. But ever since we're, we're a young child, we've been doing something naughty and then hiding from our parents. We hide from our father. It starts around four years old, I'm realizing, because I have a four-year-old. <laughs> we do something naughty and then we hide. And we've all been doing it since then. God doesn't want us to be that way. When we sin against our Lord, newsflash, you're not hiding anything from him. He knows. So just run to him and say, Jesus, that was the best I could do. On my own, I need you. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. All right, here's the sixth thing that the Holy Spirit does. Number six, he's our power. He is our power. I love this verse, Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jesus is talking with people who are his disciples. These people followed him. They know him. So they're Christians. And he says to these people, you will receive power. What's that mean? It means they don't have it yet. They have him, but they don't have the power yet. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And if you're in your paper Bible you can fl- and you're reading that, you can flip over one page and in Acts chapter two, uh, you see that that's what happened. In Acts chapter two, the disciples were in the upper room. Great wind came through and little tongues of fire came above their heads and they all started speaking in tongues. That happened in Acts chapter two. And if you read the book of Acts, it just keeps right on happening over and over again. They lay their hands on somebody and they receive the Holy Spirit and there's evidence. There's something that happens after that. It's either they, 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 they speak in tongues or they prophesy. Usually it's speak in tongues. There's always evidence that happens. It happened over and over and over again in the book of Acts. And there's no biblical reason, no good biblical reason that that doesn't happen today. The purpose, what I'm describing, this is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I could preach a whole message just right here, but I'm going to give you the 30-second version. Are you ready? Hang tight. There's three baptisms that are available, at least three that are available for every believer today, I believe. So the first baptism happens when you receive Jesus as your Savior. When you become a Christian, the word baptism means, it's, it's the definition of the word, or the original Greek word, the word means fully submersed. So imagine a sponge and you put it into a bathtub all the way and it fully submerses you. Okay, so the first baptism is a baptism into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This happens when you make Jesus your Lord. You're fully submersed into the church. We're a part of the same church. If you receive Jesus as your Savior, you're baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus and you're a part of the same universal church that's meeting in China, Indonesia, Africa, and Auburn. Second baptism is the baptism in water. So that is when our body is fully submersed into water and it is symbolic of, and, and and we are identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. 
And we're saying the old man, the, the, the sinful man, is going to stay buried, and I'm going to be made alive. It's an outward sign of the inward change. The third baptism is uh, taught throughout Scripture. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is when your spirit, Jesus takes your spirit and fully submerses it into the Holy Spirit. And when this happens, there's evidence that happens, that occurs. Usually it's speaking in tongues. Sometimes it's something else. Usually it's speaking in tongues, right? So, so that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it, and it opens our life to spiritual gifts in a new way. It will change your life forever. There's some of you right now that are listening to me talk and you're thinking, I'm just nuts. This guy has lost it. But there's a lot of people in this room who've experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you can testify, you could give your testimony right now that this changes your life and changes things for your future. I need your testimony right now for everyone else in the room. If you've ever received that on the count of three, can you say yeah real loud in a big voice? One, two, three. Yeah, yeah so there's a, this is happening. It's still happening. If you want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, shoot me an email. Let's get started. Pastor Adam, thanks. Pastor Adam at newhope.in. We'll shoot, shoot a couple emails back and forth. Let's get, let's get started. I'll just start talking with you about it. I want to under, help you understand it better. I could spend a whole message on this. If you've been prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit many times but never received it, I would encourage you to sign up for our deliverance process. You go to mynewhope.in and tap on I want to get free because it's possible that there's something spiritually blocking you. You need to be free. That's what God has for you. Don't you want what God has for you? Don't you want to... Be okay with whatever God wants? All right, here's the seventh thing that the Holy Spirit does. He's our confidence and our strength. He's our confidence and strength. 1 John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, the evil spirits, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We are not in a spiritually neutral environment. Every day, we wake up, our kids wake up, in a spiritually charged environment. There is a battle, a spiritual battle for our souls. There is a spiritual battle for your children. And it is because of the Holy Spirit that we stand a chance to fight. He is our confidence and our strength. Would you stand with me? I think there's a lot of us that just really want to do the right thing, but we struggle. We struggle so hard. It's like your spiritual life is a cell phone with all the right apps, but you don't have a battery. What good is that? You need to be infilled with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's just, you need the Holy Spirit. There's many infillings of the Holy Spirit. And when you ask the Holy Spirit to infill your life, the natural result of that is fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. If you're here and you've never even began your relationship with Jesus, you've never even asked Jesus to be your savior, that is the first thing you gotta do. You don't stand a chance. Any of this other stuff I'm talking about, you don't stand a chance for any of that unless you've asked Jesus to be your savior. If 
If you've not done that, I want to lead you in that right now. It's very simple, A, B, C. You've got to admit you're a sinner. Lord, if you haven't received Jesus, I want you to pray this in your heart. Lord, I believe I'm a sinner. I know I've not lined up under what you've said. I've done my own thing. So I'm lost. The second thing you've got to do is you've got to believe in what Jesus did. So, Jesus, I believe that you absorbed the blow for me. I deserve death. I deserve spiritual death because of my sin. But you didn't, and you paid it for me. You absorbed it. You were innocent and, and paid the penalty of sin for me. So I believe that you did that for me, and I accept you. And I want you to be the Lord and the, and the King in my life. The third thing you do is you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Can we all do that on the count of three? Jesus is Lord. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord. Lord, we love you. Thank you for saving all of your children. I believe a lot of us, I really do, we, I really believe that some of us, a lot of us are struggling to do what God said. We know what God said. It's just hard. Lord, I pray for your church. I pray that we be filled with your spirit, that it would produce fruit. You can produce fruit. Love, joy, and peace. Lord, I pray for your spirit to uh, empower us, give us confidence, give us strength. We want to be under alignment with you. Lord, I ask for your spirit to be an alongside God with us. I believe many of us have, uh, have ignored conviction and haven't felt convicted over a few things for a while. I'm asking God this week to hit the reset button. He's going to start convicting again. It's not a shame on you. That's a praise of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the conviction that's coming this week. We reject all condemnation, but we love and accept your guidance. You are good. You are right. We're okay with whatever you want. Lord, we accept conviction this week because it brings purity in our lives and makes us right and under you. We want to be righteous before you, God. I pray this week that your anointing and power would rest upon your people. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Go with God. You're dismissed. There'll be some people here at the front ready to pray for you if you have any prayer needs.